Let's say good morning to Maureen Holloway on a Friday. Nice to have you. How are you doing? Hi. Uh, I guess we don't say happy Remembrance Day. Remember yeah. Remembrance Day. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, what is the, the greeting? Because it's actually a, a wonderful occasion, but I don't think you say happy Remembrance Day. It's kind of like saying happy Yom Kippur. Or happy 9-11. Or, no, no. It's just <laughs> Mark Remembrance Day. Yeah. Um, do you have veterans in your family? Not directly. Um, I guess the closest would be my, uh, we called him uncle, but he was like an old cousin. But Ed Odlifson, who became the Reeve of Bayfield, uh, was not only a major in the Canadian military. Actually, it's quite, it's an interesting story. He ended up being tasked to the father of... Um, now I'm trying to remember the, the CBC host, uh, the most, one of the most famous CBC hosts whose family goes back many, many years uh, here in Toronto, and they've got a park on the waterfront close to the downtown. Zowski. Uh, oh, Peter Zowski, yes. Peter Zowski's father was a high-ranking officer, and my uh, uncle Ed was tasked to him, but then he also ended up being tasked only for one day, but to the Queen Mother back when she was queen. Oh, just yeah. for one day. Just for one day. <laughs> it was like a military parade or something, so he got to escort her. Well, good for him. Yeah. 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 And, and your family? Well, my family uh, was either too young or too old for the World Wars, but uh, John's uh, mother was in the Women's Air Corps. She didn't fly. Um, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she was posted to Prince Rupert to watch out for the Japanese. Uh, but her entire family, her father, my, my kid's grandfather, uh, was in the cavalry wow. in the First World War, shipped over with his horse and everything. It was one of the, you know, the movie uh, and the show War Horse, where they, you know, the last of the, the, the people on horseback had to confront tanks. That was, that was his uh, uh, ilk. Pistol Bristol, he was called. I like and, a nickname uh, like that. Yes, and, and his wife, uh, my uh, my uh, husband's grandmother ran a hospice in France for soldiers who'd been gassed. So, yes, very worthy, very worthy people on that side, but not on mine. No, we're just a bunch of cowards. So, so speaking of history, and maybe it's yes. a mistake to use that as a as a link, um, I watched the first episode of the new season of The Crown last night, <laughs> and it's the episode that contains a whole bunch of things that are completely untrue and the royals are really mad about. Yes, they want a disclaimer, and uh, yeah, I, I've, I'm two, uh, three episodes in, and it's it's odd. This season is odd because, well, I think it's because the Queen died two months ago, so it just seems so immediate. And not only that, but most of us, I think if you're over 30, can remember the actual period. It's set in the early 90s. And, uh, and and focuses quite intensely on Charles and Diana and the year their marriage fell apart. And uh, that, what, what was it called? The queen called it the Anis end. Horribilis. Yes. Which just well, sounds like yeah. a medical ailment. It's, <laughs> you should get some ointment for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the problem is Charles is now king. And there's some concern in certain circles that the show doesn't reflect well on him. That, as you saw in the first episode, it shows him talking with John Major, the prime minister, about uh, possibly taking over the throne early. And, you know, that's conjecture. There's no proof that that ever happened. And it certainly doesn't reflect well on him, as well as, you know, a reminder that he was running around with Camilla. They were adulterers. And now they're king and queen. <laughs> and uh, I think people don't like to be reminded of that time. Netflix has been asked, as you said, to put a disclaimer on the show. But they won't. Yeah. They, won't. I, they I, say they yeah. let it stand on its own. I'm with you, though. I, there's a 
tinge of melancholy to the whole thing. And certainly in episode one, the queen is actually getting a medical. And it's the first time you see her uh, played by Imelda Staunton as an older woman. I mean, effectively, yeah. this is 65 to death. And you watch it and you sort of think, <laughs> oh, I, I kind of miss her. Yeah. We have guests from England and uh, and they're quite posh. And uh, they know some of the people depicted, but uh, they say, they also say it a lot. I mean, I'm just keeping my voice down there, house guests. But they say they don't watch, that none of the aristocracy in England watch. They say, pissed Nonsense. off. It's absolute rubbish, darling. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not watch a show where you might act, where you know people? Yeah. And it's also beautifully done, whether it's fiction or conjecture or what. It's one of the most beautiful uh, beautifully shot, fantastic actors, well-written. So either way, it's entertaining, whether it's fiction or not. Can I spoil an aspect of it for you? Not in terms of plot development, but um, you'll never watch it the same way again if you know that the actress playing Princess Diana in real life is six foot yeah, two. No, I, I know, Elizabeth Debicki, I knew that. I knew that. I, she's a fantastic actress. and you. But it works for her because she has to look down at everyone and then l l look up. And Diane, that was Diana's look, right? Was yeah. to always be looking out from under her fringe. And, and so it works for, yeah, she's stunning. And she's very good. She's very good. As part of your podcast with Wendy Mesley, Women of Ill Repute, the two of you have been blogging. And uh, your latest column is all about mean girls. Tell me about that. Well, uh, it's playing at the Princess of Wales. Uh, the uh, oh, it all ties in, doesn't it? <laughs> the uh, theater, not the, uh, yeah. the 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 person. Um, and it's a lot of fun. It's the musical, and and you know, it's kind of weird when you realize it's a song and dance production about bullying. But uh, uh, the movie came out twenty years ago. Tina Fey wrote it, and it's still a real cultural touchstone for a lot of people. And it's sad. It holds up, sadly, because bullying is still a problem and girls are still mean and uh, and maybe till the end of time. But it got me to thinking. So, yes, I do write uh, on Substack and I was I wrote a piece. I saw some girls uh, on the street about 12 or 13, just sort of very vocally ostracizing one of their own. And it got me to thinking about why why are girls mean, um, and, and in a very girlish way, as opposed to the boys who can bully other boys. And it's it's uh, I did a little research on this because I actually went to grad school and wrote a paper on, uh, well, got my degree on women and humor, and uh, uh, being mean is a bonding technique, really. The girls who are still not to go too deeply into this, but girls are still oppressed in society and their value in their own mind relies on their looks and they form cliques and they bond by excluding and making fun of other girls. You know, they're mean to hide their own insecurities. So it's as funny and entertaining as it can be. It's still an issue. And, uh, and it's sad to, to see that play out as, you know, as it does. It is interesting, so, though, because as you're pointing out, uh, boy, boy against boy bullying is usually physical and sometimes a yep. bit sexual in nature. There's an overtone mm -hmm. to it. But girls, it's emotional and it's about rank and, and yes, stuff like that. It's, it's about the hierarchy of popularity. And, and I just it's like I grew up with that. And I, and I, I look at my uh, well, I don't have daughters, but my daughters in law 
and they'll tell me that yeah sure that's uh that exists and and nothing's changed you so. on your podcast uh, have talked to two people who i mean i'm sort of using that journalistic political lingo and saying our old friends but i mean i knew louise penny when we were both in broadcasting and i knew sass jordan when she was playing in a room with 50 audience members yeah yeah sass, uh, sass is our guest this week and she's a hoot oh my oh, goodness yeah. completely Does unpredictable she- She's completely, <laughs> but that's her charm as well, and she's full of life, and uh, and so she is our, our our current guest. And then next week, uh, Louise Penny joins us. She'll uh, and Louise, of course, is a a top selling author. She went to high school with Wendy Mesley. And my co-host, and uh, so they, they were in the synchronized, synchronized swimming team. No way. <laughs> I'm sorry, but the vision of Wendy Mesley doing synchronized swimming is going to amuse me Louise all weekend. Pen- yes. With Louise Petty, and they had a huge falling out. Speaking of Mean Girls, uh, see, it all comes back. Uh, they had a huge falling out because Wendy went and made out with Louise's boyfriend. And... Um, and uh, they didn't talk for like 25 years. Right. I remember her mentioning that uh, as something yeah. that she kind of nursed. And probably a lot of us have one or two things we did when we were very young that we don't think is that important, but we can't get over. Well, that was exactly what happened with them. And then they fe- they found each other again about 15 years ago, and they're fast friends. Um, so it's a pretty fascinating uh, episode. So that's coming out next week on Women of Ill Repute. Good stuff. And, uh, yeah, it all comes back to Mean Girls, doesn't it? It does. You're not a mean girl, though. No, not anymore. <laughs> Thanks, Maureen. Have a good weekend. You too. Maureen Holloway, legendary broadcaster, one part of the two-person team with Wendy Mesley at Women of Ill Repute, which is not only a podcast, but a series of blog postings and columns.